So if you got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn back with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And while you're turning there, I'm, I'm, we're going to begin our reading again at verse number 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse number 1. We started this section of the teaching over in 1 Corinthians, and we know that in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes there to encourage the church at Corinth to, to deal with some issues in the church. He's writing the letter. Now, again, understand this, guys, and I pray that you would uh, uh, grasp this concept so you, you'll save yourself a lot of frustration. You know, the Bible was written to, uh, to God's people, uh, and so many times we try to convince the world through the Scripture that God is real. Well, the world don't even believe that the Bible is God's Word. Nowadays, they don't. Even back in the day, y'all remember back in the day when we were growing up, uh, the Bible was respected, Correct? As God's word, even though the person wasn't saved, I remember when we were smaller, and I think I'm going to share this with you all before. I remember when, when you were out playing or whatever, and, and there was something that was said, and somebody didn't believe it was true, they would say, go get the Bible. And am I the only one that remember that? And, and, and if you go get the Bible, that person would not put their hands on the Bible and tell that lie. But nowadays, they'll, they'll take the Bible, roll it upside down, turn it upside down. And lie. So the word of God, again, when we go to face the world, we must understand that the word of God was written to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to empower us to be able to live this life in its fullness. Okay? Are y'all with me today? And so it's important for us to realize that God's word is truth. And the word of God, as we are learning through our book of the study of the Hebrews, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. The word of God will actually reveal to us what's in our heart. Because how many of y'all know we fool ourselves? All right? We fool ourselves until the word of God gives us directive. And then now we are, we're, we're commanded to follow that directive. But then when we come up against that directive and we start rebuffing that directive, then that shows us what's in our heart. Because in our minds, we thought we were okay in a particular area until God's word tells us what it says. Okay? So watch this in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. We begin our reading at verse number one. So the Bible is written to God's people to correct us, to instruct us, to give us a, a blueprint and a map for our life. Text says this finally. Dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already and we encourage you to do so even more. He says this, for you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. He says this in verse three, God's will is for you to be holy. God's will is for you to be what? So if God says we can be holy, then if it's his will for us to be holy, then I told you before, God would be an unjust God if we did not live in holiness. Or if it was impossible for us to live in holiness. How many of y'all have said it's impossible for any man to be holy? And again, we've said that because we were unlearned in what the word holy really means. Holy, holiness and sanctification go in concert with each other. It means to be set apart for God's use and for God's purpose, right? That's what holy means. God has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light, and he wants to use your life. He wants to use your life to help transform someone else's life. That's what holy means. I've been set apart for God's use and for God's purpose. It does not mean that I walk in sinless perfection, because none of us do. But if I've been set apart, if I've been put, if I've been set over here for God's use and for God's purpose, then I ought to be going through that sanctification process positionally, progressively, and ultimately what? Perfectly when I see Jesus face to face. 
Are y'all still tracking with me this morning? So he says, God's will is for you to be holy. So because God's will is for you to be holy, he says, so stay away from all sexual sin. Is that correct? Let's keep reading. Come on, let's go. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and in honor. Five says, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Text says, never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins as you as we have solemnly warned you before. I think we'll stop. Well, let's read on down. Let's go. Keep reading. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Keep reading. Let's go. It says this, but we don't, we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Keep going, guys. Indeed, you already show your love for all believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. 11 and 12. Make it your goal to live a what? Quiet life, minding your own business, and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. I am convinced that the world is not respecting the church because of the people in the church. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, is, 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 uh, is, 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 is set apart for God to use to be his vehicle, his agent for change in the earth. But when those who profess Christ, who go to these local churches, are living in such a way and acting in such a way and saying stuff over social media, in person, on the phone, however you're saying it, when we say stuff and we act a certain way, it causes the world not to believe the message that, we, that we're preaching. Are y'all tracking with me today? All right, so, so let's, let's, let's get back here. I told you. Uh, our bodies are, are, are set aside for God. You say God's will is for his people to be sexually pure or holy. We also said that sexual sin among God's people always causes damage. Everybody say always. Let me share some stuff with you real quickly, and I want you to pay careful attention to me right quick. Never in the history of the world has a culture and its values concerning sexuality shifted as fast and as drastically as it has in the United States of America over the past 50 years. Listen to this. It's not that there hasn't been immorality far worse than what we're dealing with because we saw it in Sodom and Gomorrah. We saw it throughout the Old Testament. We saw it in the New Testament. We see it here in the church at Corinth. Is that right? It's not that we don't, they don't have the immorality uh, that's, that's worse or even equivalent to what we're dealing with here in America. But never before has a view of sexuality in a nation moved as fast and as far as it has in America in a short period of time. Now think about this. 50 years ago, we were a nation, we were a nation uh, that, that probably today, if, if our young people go back, they would hardly even recognize how we acted 50 years ago. I'm talking about when it comes to this issue of our bodies and sexuality. Listen to this real carefully. In the 1950s, about 5% of girls and about 10% of boys in high school were sexually active. Y'all got that? 50, 50 in, the, in the 1950s. Fast forward five decades when these stats were gathered, as many as 70% of girls 
and 80% of boys were sexually active during high school. That's back 2000, year 2000. Now, if you want to fast forward another 22 years, I would, I would, if I were a betting man, I would bet that those stats were even higher. Listen to me, parents. Don't be naive. Listen to me, parents. We're going to talk about the fact that there is a need for us to be instructive to our young children rather than hiding and, and hoping that somebody will just catch it by osmosis. Hear me carefully. In 1950, 5% of girls and 10% of boys were sexually active. 50 years later, 70% of girls and 80% of the boys were sexually active. Today, 50% of all women under the age of 30 cohabitate prior to marriage. Cohabitate is another word for shacking, living together. No covenant, but acting like you got a covenant. Hello. All right. Keep, keep listening. The divorce rate in the middle of the 20th century was in single digits. Today, it's around 50% or more. Are you tracking with me? These rapid changes in behavior didn't just happen in society as a whole. They also occurred in the church. Because I'm talking to the church. In all honesty, guys, when I come and preach, I'm not talking to the world itself other than the fact that I want them to hear about my Savior and the love that he has for them. And I want them to be so attracted to the love of my Savior that they will come and say, hey, pastor, I see how you're living. I see your your joy. I want what you have. Right. But in actuality, Sunday morning, I am I am I am seeking to help disciple the saints of God here and those who are listening to us via live stream. Are y'all with me today? Part of my job as your pastoral leader is to disciple the church body. And discipling means that I got, I, I, I am impelled, I am exhorted by my Savior, Jesus Christ, who called me to this, this platform, is to urge you, to strongly suggest to you, to implore you, to, to push you toward being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Can I get a witness today? Can I keep going? The, the statistics that track the speed of change are staggering. Listen to this real carefully. For example, in 1987, 75 million people rented triple X porn videos. Okay? Five years later, that number had skyrocketed to 490 million. From 75 million to 490 p- million rentals of the most graphic porn, triple X. By 1996, the rentals reached 665 million rentals. Pornography is being produced around the world, but the center of consumption is here in these United States of America. We distribute more than any other place across this globe. Recent estimates note that at least 150 new triple X porn videos are created every week. Once the internet exploded, they stopped counting they couldn't even keep up with it because, uh, the, 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 because of the hidden nature of how it's done now, okay? The, the, it's hard to get figures now, but it, can you imagine if those figures were that back then? What is, what is it now when people don't have to go to the video store to rent a video anymore? All they have to do is put up on their iPad, their phone, or their PC at home. Why do you keep bringing up pornography, Pastor? Because pornography is a reality even in the church, 
Now, we don't want to talk about it, but it's a reality. And I'm here to tell you, parents, you must be uh, astute. You must have your mind focused. You got to be sharp. You got to be a, a, a watchful, nosy parent. A good parent is a nosy parent. I am going to say that once more and again. A good parent goes into their child's room and check out what's happening there. Aren't you paying for that room? Don't you, is your name on the mortgage? A good parent is observant. A good parent is not a helicopter mama. You know what a helicopter mama is? All up in everybody's business. And won't let your child even do anything because you're trying to do it for them. Helicopter moms, back off. Be a godly mom. Some of y'all, some of y'all didn't like that because some of y'all just all over the place. Listen to me carefully. Chip Ingram noted something. He, Chip, Chip Ingram noted that not long ago he had a, a conversation with a friend who's a sex therapist. And she told him this. She says, for the first 25 years, I had no women in my sexual counseling uh, sessions. Now, 30% of all the people I see for sexual addiction are women. See, sometimes we think about pornography, we think about sexual addiction. We only think that from a man's perspective. But let me tell you something. There's some stuff going on on the, on the female side, too. Those stats that I just read to you are overwhelming, and they are often reported at a bit higher. Sometimes you, you find a little lower rates depending on the metrics that are used in the study. But the point is simple. We have witnessed a dramatic shift in our culture. How many of you all grew up in the late 60s and the early 70s? Let me see your hands out there. You late 60s and early 70s, folks. Y'all remember free love? Do y'all remember the hippie movement? Some of y'all people don't know what I'm talking about. The hippie movement? Where sexuality began to, to explode rampantly and, and, and people were, uh, all of the, the, the boundaries that had been in place were now just thrown away and it's free love. Of course, along with that came some other stuff too. Sexually transmitted diseases, unwanted pregnancies, and the like. But that, but that movement caused a change in mindset as it relates to how the world viewed sex, sex and how the church viewed sex. Those in the church. The, church, the true church never changed. But those in the church had a change in mindset. Listen to this. The shift in our view of sex is dramatic. Again, remember, just a mere 50 years in those stats. From 5% to 10% active with boys and girls to 70 to 80%. And what I would tell you is, is that part of our problem has been, and I, I told you before, and I'll get to some of this later, part of the problem has been is the church has done a horrible job in teaching on this issue. I'm going to say it again. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ has done a terrible job in talking about sexuality, our bodies, what God's design is for them. And, and as a result, we've left it to chance. We've left it to, to, to whatever. We, we, we've allowed school. I don't want the school system teaching my child this. Because they're going to come from a secular perspective. They're going to begin to teach them that it's okay to have uh, uh, this therapy that, that, that allows you to have the features of a, of a, of a, of a woman now that, even though you were born naturally a boy. Can I say this right quick? Go to, go to Romans, the first chapter right quick. Romans chapter 1. I want to just throw this in. And again, when I teach this, I'm teaching it from a, from a standpoint of God loves everybody and he desires to see everybody transform. 
Romans chapter number one. Uh, and let's go, if we will, I think it's down. Let's start out reading at verse number 20. Romans chapter one. Let's go to. Verse number one, Romans chapter 20. In uh, Romans chapter one, I'm sorry. Verse number 20. Romans chapter 1, verse number 20. So if you got your Bibles, go there. If you don't have your Bibles, sometimes technology goes away, so you better bring your Bible to church. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. Well, let me read this. Romans chapter 1, verse number 20 says this. It says, for ever since the world was created, people have, been, people have seen the earth and sky. Through, a, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. First number 21, read, let's read. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as, as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Everybody said there's confusion in this land. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them, verse 24, to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Are y'all tracking with me? God abandoned them because they refused to acknowledge God, that God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Watch this. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other. Listen to what Romans says. Because of the depravity of man's mindset, because of man rejecting God, God turned them over to and abandoned them to their reprobate mindset. And as a result, they began to do things that, were, that God considered to be unseemly. So he says, instead of having normal sexual relationship with women, um, back up. Verse 26, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationship with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with, each other, each, each, with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Now watch this. Question. The natural way for a man, for a woman to have sexual relations is with another man. With a man. Hold on. The natural way for a woman to have sexual relations is with a man. A woman's, uh, I'm going to use the medical term, a woman's vagina was never, was designed to receive the penis from a man. Is that biology 101 too tough for some of y'all up in here? It's biology. And see, some of y'all right now, if you are getting uncomfortable with me saying this, that's the problem that the church has had because we've been uncomfortable teaching what's clearly in the scripture. Now, if you come to one of our marriage fellowship, we'll go a whole lot deeper than what I'm going to go this morning. I'm going to respect that some of y'all hadn't taught your children, so I'm not going to go as deep as the Bible goes. 
If I go to the Psalm of Solomon and begin to talk about how Solomon was, was describing the love relationship between the husband and the wife, man, he went deep. But again, there, you, I, I, I would challenge you to find a credible medical scientist, medical physician who will tell you that the natural use of a woman's feet, uh, 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 female organ. Thank you, Dr. O. You, you, you will not find a medical scientist worth his salt that will tell you that that female organ was designed to receive another female organ. That is not the natural way. Now, you may be doing whatever you want to do, but it's not natural for a female uh, to receive another female, and it's not natural for a man to receive the sexual organ from another man. It's not natural. You can't, I don't even have to argue that theologically. You, you, you take the church out of it. That is not natural. Now, you can do what you want to do, but it ain't natural. It's not the way God made it. So what we got to do is, 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 is even if we, as we try to minister to people who, who will say, well, you know, this is the way I am. Listen, I, 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 I love everybody, and I'm going to try to my best to reach you with the gospel, but I will not change the gospel in order to, to be able to, to, uh, to associate with you. I mean, I'm going to associate with you, but I'm not going to change my theological stance because what the scripture says, and, and it's not natural. That's what, that's what Paul said here in the book of Romans, okay? Are y'all still with me today? Now, now watch this. Again, the church overall has done a horrible job when it comes to teaching about sex. And I'd be willing to bet that most of us in here, when growing up in the church, never heard a message on what the Bible teaches about sex, Okay? During the first part of the 20th century, listen to carefully, the church was still laboring under the distorted picture that sex is dirty, it's bad, it's nasty. Don't talk about it. Don't do that. Yet in reality, we find out that God created sex and created us with the desire for sexuality. It's just that we have to learn how to take that desire that's natural to all of us and bring it within the boundaries that God set up for his people to protect us. Are y'all still tracking with me today? Now, some of y'all hearing this, some of y'all are like, why, why is he talking about this? Why is he going over this? He, 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 this is part two or three of this. I'm ready for him to move on to something else. Well, the reason why I'm teaching this, teaching this is because it's out of control in the church. Okay? The unspoken rule that most of us grew up with is you didn't talk about sex. Children, seeing how their parents were uncomfortable, conclude that sex must be Bad, or maybe God is anti-sex, which he's not. Silence not only created ignorance and distortion, it set up future generations to be unprepared for the devastating wave of sexual decadence that followed when we moved from 1950 with 5% and 10% of boys, girls and boys in high school were sexually active. To now, I would, I, I'm not, if I were to put a, a number on it, would, I would say it's, it's probably north of that 80% with boys now. And, and, and sexual sexual activity or either involving sexual sin because with, with the advent of the internet again uh, so many of our young boys are introduced to that stuff uh, at, at, at very young ages and, and I'm not going to ask guys to raise their hands in there, but if, if you were to ask the average man in this church right now he'll tell you that he's, looked, he's viewed pornography before don't worry brother I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands <laughs> but the reality is is that 
we have to start moving and teaching from a biblical perspective the value of our bodies and what God desires to do with our bodies. Are y'all with me today? He doesn't want us to take this tongue that's a part of our body and begin to wag it in, 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 with gossip and innuendo, slander. He wants us to use our whole body for his glory and for his benefit. Now, there's, there's been a detrimental impact uh, in the church and in the world as a whole. So let's, let's get back to our, our outline, okay? Because I, I got to finish this today. <laughs> I told you I would, so I am. So sexual sin among God's people always causes them. We said sexual sin hurts God's name. Sexual sin hurts the sinner himself. And sexual sin hurts others also. Go with me, if you will. I, I want to I look at something here. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. Now, it's an interesting thing I told you about Corinth when we start this, that Corinth... Um, was a, was a place that, um, that was awash in sexual immorality, correct? Y'all remember that? Uh, in this fifth chapter, if you were to go back, you'll see where this young man was in this church and this young man had engaged in a sexual relationship with his stepmother. Do y'all recall that? Um, now, but there was something else that was happening too, and I'm going to start this in 1 Corinthians 7 chapter because sometimes people go far to the left and some go far to the right. Um, if you, if you recall, uh, let's look at first Corinthians chapter number seven. And, um, I want to just kind of walk you through this right quick. The text says this in first Corinthians chapter number seven, let's begin reading at verse number one, verse number one. It says, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter. Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. Now remember, he's writing to the church. All right? But look what it says in this next verse. It says, but because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. Now watch this. Next verse. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Amen, brothers. Amen, brothers. I'm just reading the Bible. Some of y'all got to start reading your Bible. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Now, no, stop. The, the first time I read this, I'm like, why is he saying this? What's his, what's his need to insert this into the scripture text? I, I like to ask questions of the text. And when I start asking questions of the text, what I found out was during this time that this letter was written, there was a group of folks that were called dualists. And, and these dualists, it was a Greek philosophers, some Greek philosophers who said that, that the body and everything that's physical is, is, is evil and you stay away from it. And, and, and so that teaching had begun to, 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 to uh, gain some steam and momentum in, in the society. And what was happening was, even though Paul was telling them to stay away from sexual immorality, there were those who took up this philosophy of, of dualism that said that anything physical was bad and you stay away from all of it, so much so that there were some in the church who were saying that your body is, is, is evil, wife, your body is evil, husband, so because I'm a dualist, I don't engage in anything evil, so we're not going to have sex even though we're married. 
All right? That's the context for Paul, uh, for Paul saying what he says here. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. Ready? Read. The wife gives authority over her body, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Now watch this next verse. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations. Now why do you have to say that? Because there were some in the church who were saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm saved now, and I'm, 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 I'm dualist in my thinking that, that everything spiritual is good, everything physical is evil, so your body is evil, so we're not going to have sex. Even though we're married. Even though you come home and say, tonight, you say, not tonight. Tomorrow, not tomorrow. <laughs> next week, not next week. Because I'm deep. And I believe that the body is evil. So I'm not going to engage in any evilness. So we're not going to ever engage. Now the husband probably said, I wish you had told me that before I married you. And the wife is probably saying the very same thing. But that was the context. He says, don't deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completed to prayer. Afterwards, after you pray, after you've been fasting, look at what Paul advised the church. Now, again, you're saying, Pastor, stay out of my business. I'm not in your business. The Bible in your business. He says, watch, watch this. He says, he says, a refrain uh, says, for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. All right? It's been a while. <sighs> can I teach this this way? Are y'all following me? I'm just giving you what the word of God, the device that Paul gave this church because there was, Corinth had a lot of stuff going on. Look at the next verse. Next verse. This, this is a good message. I say this as a concession, not as a command. Now, watch it. Now, now somebody say, well, I say this as a concession, not as a command. What, what, now, you, what you must understand is, as Paul is writing this letter, he's writing to the church, and all scripture is inspired by God. So when you see what he wrote there and the advice he gave it, it is a directive for us as readers of this letter. Watch this. I say this as a concession, not as a command. Watch this. But I wish everyone, now, this is what he's getting at right now, okay? I, I, I wish, <laughs> he says, I'm saying this as a concession, not as a command. He's not commanding everybody to be single. But I wish everyone was single, just as I am. Some argue that Paul was divorced. Some argue that he was widowed. Some say he never was married. Uh, some say he, he, his wife left him when he, when he got radical for Christ. For whatever reason, we know he was single at this point. Am I right about it? He said, I'm saying this as a, as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. Verse 8, let's read. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. Now hold on before you throw stones at me. Paul is not saying that he's not commanding you. Again, he said it. This is, I'm saying this by concession, not by command. He's not commanding you, single lady, widow, or single man. A man could be a widow also. He's not, he's not saying don't get married. 
But he said, it'd be better for you when it comes to serving the Lord. Because now if I'm serving the Lord and the Lord puts in my spirit to go three weeks on a mission trip to Haiti, I ain't got no flack for my wife. Are you going to be gone that long? Or from my husband? Uh, from you, if you were, you, you follow me saying? I have to clarify things nowadays, okay? So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay, stay unmarried just as I am. So, so if, you are, if you're out there single and you're a widow, don't, 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 don't let somebody tr- start tripping on your mind about what you got to do. If you choose to get married, remarried, so be it. If you choose not to, God's okay with that too. And the church said nothing. <laughs> I'm just teaching what's up here, okay? He said, it's better to stay unmarried as I am. But now, notice what he just said. Watch this. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry now, what, what is he saying if they can't control themselves? What do you mean they can't control themselves? Well, if, 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 the, if, if you know that it's not your gift for celibacy, then he says, if you can't control themselves, they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. All right, y'all got that. I hope this is not too deep for y'all on Sunday morning. Next verse, next verse, it says what? But for those who are married, I've, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave a husband. Now he goes into some other things. I, I don't, I, I don't want to go into this right now. But y'all get the gist of what he's saying here. He says, if, 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 if you're single, Paul said, it's, it's my desire if you be like I am because you could, you could do more for the Lord as a single person than you can for a married person. Simply because you have obligation as a married person. Now we're all supposed to be working for the Lord. And hopefully the husband and the wife are, are, are in sync with their faith walk. A lot of times you have differentiation there where one or the other is stronger and growing and the other one is either a baby Christian at best or not saved. And it causes heartache in the relationship. When you're not on the same page, don't have the same mindset. Are y'all with me today? That's why I always advise you, if you're getting ready to get married, don't go into it knowing that that person is not saved. And don't try to make him be saved when he has no conversation about the Lord and all of a sudden you want to marry him, now you make him be saved. Then after you get married, it's hell in the house because y'all are going in two different directions. And all of a sudden, I've seen it happen so many times, now you pull away from the Lord because this person here now in your life has become your idol God. And the church said, amen. amen. So, so, so Paul writes here to encourage them. Now go back to the fifth chapter and see what was happening here. Because again, these dualists here were saying, on one extreme, you had these folks who were not engaging at all. Paul had to deal with that. On the other extreme, you had these folks who were doing some of everything. First Corinthians, the fifth chapter. And let's take a look at verse number one, okay? First Corinthians chapter number five, and I'll get there. Verse number one, glory to God. Are y'all still with me today? So our bodies are to be utilized for kingdom purposes. Now, listen to me carefully. If our body and our spirit belong to God, why are we selflessly trying to do life apart from God? If we say Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior, then here God's word is the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our pathway. Such that, that if my body or my emotions or my soul realm or my heart 
is not lining up with scripture, I shouldn't try to change scripture and change what God's word says. I should let the Holy Ghost change me. And I submit to you, you won't really know that you really believe this stuff until you have to walk this stuff. You know, I shared this with our class um, on Wednesday night. I went to get an MRI. It's my, you know, uh, by and large, I've, I've never really had any medical issues of any major consequence. But I'm just getting checked out, okay? I'm just getting checked out just because I need to get checked out. <laughs> uh, I'm 59. I need to get checked out. There's a whole lot of stuff that could be happening. So I've been getting checked out over the last three to four weeks or so. Just, just, make, just, get, get, just give me a, a total do-over. Just find out if there's anything there. So, so the MRI, you know, um, um, I, I went to get the MRI, and it's, it's, it's really a, not, no big deal. But they, but they put you on that thing, and they start packing the, the pads around your head so that you won't move and that type of thing while it's taking the, the photo image of yourself. And so I'm doing good. I'm like, hey, this is a piece of cake, piece of cake. And then they slid me up in that thing, Sister Doris. And I don't, I, I swear, I don't know where this came from. But a level of anxiety came over me to the point that I, I, I wanted to just burst out of that thing. And they give you this little hand, this little ball there, where you can squeeze. It's called a panic thing. That if you start to panic, you can squeeze. I'm like, here I am, 59 years old, an athlete, former athlete, oh, up here in a little machine, and I'm panicking. Anxiety began to hit me real quick and strong. And the first thing I did was I start, I told the guys, I start, I start quoting scripture. Be careful for nothing. But by everything, by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And then I start quoting the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's making me the light. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they cover me. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemy. My cup, he anointed my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I just calm down. But anxiety, I didn't know that I could have anxiety to anxiety hit. Some stuff you don't know until you have to face it. You say you believe, you, you say you believe God is bread in a starving land. But you don't know that until you ain't got no food in your cupboard. Can I get a witness? You can say he's a doctor. In a sick room until you hadn't, but until you get sickness in your body, until your wives get diagnosed with cancer, until this happens, you don't really know if he's a doctor in a sick room. The lawyer in your courtroom, your bridge over troubled water. Do you really believe that? I said before, I said again, you don't really know if you really love everybody until you have to deal with everybody. See, God, here's where I am, guys. 
Y'all, y'all are good and grown here. Most of y'all are here. And, and, and here's the reality is, God ain't going to make you do anything. I ain't going to try to make you do anything. But what God will do, if you belong to him, he will chasten those whom he loves. And when you see the word of God clearly explained, and you're going to buff up against that, God's going to deal with you. Doll Adams is turning you over to the Lord. But as your pastor, I'm going to keep exhorting you and encouraging you because I want you to be a, dis- a disciple. One, Look at first. Come on, can we get here right quick? First Corinthians, the fifth chapter. So, so we got to sexual sin hurts others. Watch what was happening here. Look at what Paul told the church. He's talking to the church. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Next verse. He's writing to the church now. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame, and you should remove this man from your fellowship. This is church discipline Paul is, is instructing them to do. Look at verse number three. Come on, let's go. He says this. Even though I'm not with you in person, I am with you in the spirit. And, and as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man. What did Paul say? I passed what? Don't judge me. Paul just judged him. Some of the stupidest things. Let me back up. Some of the uninformed things that we say. I've been told I got to watch how I say things. But the reality is sometimes we, do, we say some stupid stuff. I've said some stupid stuff. Not knowing. The reality is that the church has to judge sin. I'm not judging you whether you're going to heaven or hell or not, but I, I do as a pastor and you as a fellow believer should judge sin. What did it say here? Even though I'm not with you, Paul wasn't even there. Even though I'm not with you in person, I'm with you, I'm with you in the spirit. And as though I was there, I've already passed judgment on this man. What judgment did he pass? On this man who had a relationship with his stepmother. What did he say? Watch what he says here. He says, in the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit. And so with the power of our Lord Jesus, watch this. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed. And he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Next verse. Next verse. Watch this. Your boasting about this is terrible. Now, obviously, this guy must have been a very prominent member of this church. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have just let him you know, keep on doing what he was doing. They knew what he was doing. Uh, Paul said, this stuff, ain't, the pagans aren't even doing this stuff. Got a relationship with your stepmother. Now, let, me t- let me say something. One of the, one of the sexual sins that is, that's, that's been prevalent in culture and people hadn't talked about is incest within family and, and abuse, sexual abuse within families. The person, the very person that you don't think will do it is the one that did it. And many times we like, shh, don't say nothing. You're going to ruin the family name. The family name is being ruined, and that person is being, who's, who's abused, is, is having all kinds of emotional issues 35 years later because y'all never dealt with it. Nobody wanted to say anything because that was your brother. Your brother was a pervert. Your sister was a pervert. Well, they were perverted in their, in their thinking. And all because sexual sin has become rampant. You're boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Watch this. Next verse, he says this. 
Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover land, has been sacrificed for us. Watch this next verse. It says, so let us celebrate the festival not with the old bread of wickedness and of evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. What he tells them this is, is deal with. Now, I'm, I'm going to fast forward. I'm going to tell you what happened. They did do what Paul told them to do. And the disfellowshipping of anybody, this was open sin. This was, they went to him and talked to him one-on-one. They dealt with them with a council of people. They told him it was against God's will and his law. and It was against the rules of the church. And he still kept on doing it. This wasn't somebody just found something out and they kicked him out of church. No, they had went to him and they had talked to him. And this dude continued to do this. But what you find out when you read the second chapter, second letter Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, this guy did ultimately repent. And they did, he was encouraging to receive him back in the fellowship. Because, again, the goal, hear me carefully, the goal of church discipline is not to say I'm better than you. The goal of church discipline is for repentance to take place. And if you allow your child to keep doing what they're doing without no, without no challenge, without no no no. Uh, come to Jesus meeting with that person, they'll keep on doing that thing. But when you challenge open sin, and if they really are born again, they're going to they're gonna realize the error of their ways and repent. Let me give you a perfect illustration, okay? I was reading about this. This, this person had uh, written in, it's a, it's a United Methodist Church in some, some other state. Um, and this young lady was living with this guy and they had a child and they, and she grew up in this church and she wanted to have what they call a baby dedication, but the, the Methodist church doesn't actually do a baby dedication. Couldn't find out. But anyhow, they put it on the calendar and I guess after realizing what was transpiring, the pastor wrote, wrote a letter and said that, that they were not going to be able to do it. So they were upset and they left the church. Um, uh, because they said that they were, they, were, they were actually living in open sin. In other words, this was not something that was just, I mean, they were living, well, they were just living together, cohabitating, okay? Now, let, let, me, tell, let, let me say this. I, I, I love everybody, and I've dedicated babies because uh, the baby is innocent. Baby ain't do nothing. I dedicate the baby, but I'm not going to pretend like you're in covenant relationship. You follow me? I mean, we've had single ladies who, who, who dedicate their children here, and, and, but I tell them up front. I don't tell them I'm going to do it, and, then, and, then, and, and, you, and the dad or even if it's the dad got the baby, I, it could be the other way around. I'm not going to come before God's people and before God and pretend like you're in covenant relationship because you're not, right? I love you, and I'm going to keep ministering to you. But I'm not going to, something as sacred as baby dedication says that, that I'm making covenant commitment with God. And how are you going to make covenant commitment with God and you're sinning against God? So it's, it's, not, it's no harm. It's just that I tell them up front. Now, if they choose to do that, that's good. And I pray they wouldn't leave the church. But sometimes, this, I'm not afraid of people leaving when I'm standing on righteousness. Because my goal ain't to fill the church. My goal is to make disciples. And so, so, so many of them have understood that. And, and, and they said, Pastor, okay, we're cool with that. Some, some uh, I, I didn't hear back from, but that's okay too. But, but 
I'm not going to pretend, I'm not going to come here and pretend like you're in covenant when you're not. Are y'all with me? Okay. All right. Is that fair enough? It ain't got to be fair. It's got to be right. I'm not interested in being fair. I'm interested in being right according to God's word. And if you go to the Bible, if you go to the Bible, fair is, is that everybody get a turn. If you're on the football team, everybody plays. In peewee ball, that's good. But in high school ball, not so good. At the college level, people getting paid nine, ten million dollars a year. They ain't gonna play you if you can't play all things being equal. And when you get to the professional level, what? You don't even get to be on the team just because you play ball. Are you with me? God is a God who operates according to principle and precept. God is a God, if you notice, God, even when he called the Apostle Paul out of his, out of, out of his uh, uh, persecution of the church, he called him on the road to Damascus and Paul became a leading uh, uh, apostle in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, Paul did that because he was operating under spiritual Holy Ghost wisdom and guidance. And God elevated him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He did that, and, 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 Paul, and God did that because he was the anointed one. I'm not going to get mad at, oh, when God blessed him with, 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 a, with a position or whatever. And I, I don't go around to my, well, where is mine, God? I say, more power to you, my brother. I'm trusting and believing God for this. But I'm not going to hate on him because God is blessing him. What kind of sense that makes? I'm not going to hate on another church because God is blessing them to grow and they're reaching souls for Christ and having kingdom impact. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, more power to you. If you're preaching the gospel, people are getting saved and people are being discipled. More power to you. Hear me carefully. The modus operandi for this church going forward is going to be about disciple making. It's not going to be so, so much that it's Sunday morning. Yeah, Sunday morning is our time together. But I want, I want you to know that, 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 that working in ministry and serving has more to do about reaching people with the gospel and helping transform lives. And that's going to happen outside of Sunday morning, by and large. Okay? So when I, when I, when I, when I, I, I just want you to know this now. Because we get accustomed to things and we don't like to change things. Because I'm that way too. I'm just like you, but God told me, listen, when I tell you to move, move. Don't stay in your comfort zone. I need you to move out of your comfort zone, and I need you to start, start challenging my people to become disciple makers. I need you to start challenging my people to get out of their comfort zone and stop just being by themselves and make gospel-anointed connections so they can help encourage each other in, in, in being disciples for Jesus Christ. But now, if you're sitting there, and you, you, you come up against that, just like here, I just read you in, in that fifth chapter. People see that, people said, well, don't, don't judge me. The Bible, said, don't, Paul, the Bible said Paul judged that situation. He judged the sin. He did it so he could help the man. And as a church, we got to learn that God's word will expose what's in our hearts. I don't know certain things until I have to walk through it. I mean, by and large, I mean, I know it because it's, it's, I see it in the word of God, but, but I don't know if I really believe this word until I'm instructed to do this. I don't know if I really believe and trust that God is my uh, ever present help in time need until I get into need. 
I don't believe, I don't know if I really know that, 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 that I trust that God will open the windows of heaven to bless and pull, open the windows of heaven and pull me out of blessing I won't have room to see until I, until I start tithing and giving my offerings. I don't know if, that I believe Luke 6 and 38, which says, Give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run over with men, giving you a bosom. For with the same measure you meet out, it'll be measured back until you give. I don't know until I release. Because if I release, that means I'm counting on the other part of that promise to come into manifestation. Because once I release under the Holy Spirit's leading, I don't know where the other is coming from, but I'm trusting him to bring it to pass. But I don't, I don't, I can't really say that I bleed until I release. Okay. Now get back here. Let's finish this up. Guys, there's a whole lot more I can say about this, but our bodies belong to God. The, the, I, I, I really wish I had time, but we, we'll do this in another series. Under the spirit of generosity, what I'm saying is that be willing to give you all, your spirit, soul, and body to the Lord. Be willing to, to, to sacrifice, to exercise self-control so that you could be a vessel, I could be a vessel that's, that, that God can utilize to, to advance his kingdom agenda. Watch what he says here. Let's get back. So he says uh, sexual sin among God's people always causes damage. It, it, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And we've seen it wreck our churches. Am I right about it? We've seen it uh, be uh, something of, uh, I don't know, it, it's, it's, we, we got to do better. Uh, so God, God will bring judgment on those who are sexually impure. And, and we see that in First Thessalonians 4, 6 through 8. Hebrews 13 and 4. Go there right quick, Hebrews 13 and 4. Got to get you out of here. Hebrews 13 and 4. God will bring judgment on those who are sexually impure. He did it there in, in 1 Corinthians, right? That's all I'm saying. And now understand, we were made with those desires. And so I am not telling you this is going to always be easy, but you got to put up boundaries. Fornication is the one sin that God said run from. That I discovered. He didn't say pray about it. He didn't say meditate on it. Come on, flesh. Oh, come on, flesh. Don't do it, flesh. Come on, you belong to... No, he said, run. And at that, that, that times, you, you, don't, you don't have to tell somebody I'm running. You just, you just kind of, you, you, you do it in a, in a discreet manner, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to come over there, but you know what? That's the most stuff I got I to take care of. This other stuff you got to take care of, you got to go home and pray because your flesh wanted to go. Can we be real? Everything in your flesh said, get with him. Everything in your flesh says, go over there, be with her. I'm talking about Christians now. I'm not talking about unsaved folks. Everything in your flesh says, man, wouldn't it be nice? I just wonder how it would be. And now your imagination begins. Maybe I need to come this side of it. Your mind's eye begin to visualize because sexual sin is the one sin that, that it don't just happen like that. There has to be some, some, some thought process going into it. There has to be some imagination. And let me, let me say this. Can I say this? And I need to help some of y'all because when I, when, I, when I preach on this, and maybe you've been through some things, I don't want you to stay. It, it causes hurt and pain. But if you've been through, uh, uh, been wounded this way, whether by a person, somebody 
told you that you were, the, you, you, you were the most important thing in their life, and then you gave yourself to them, and then after giving yourself to them, they departed. They started acting crazy. And you had to cut the relationship off. Now you, you're wounded. I'll tell you this. One of the ways you're going to be able to tell whether or not that person is sincere or not is when you, when you, when you as an individual say, you know what, we, you know, I, I love you enough that, that I'm gonna, I'm, we're not going to engage there. Because if I, if I start having sex with you, it's going to cloud my judgment. Can I be honest with you? It's going to cloud my judgment. It's going to cause me to think crazy. How many of y'all ever done some crazy stuff to get with somebody? I need you to hear me because the enemy is coming after the church. He's coming after your marriage. He's coming after your ministry. And he's coming after your testimony. And if he can utilize this sin to do that, it's just as good as any other. As a matter of fact, it's probably more potent than any other. Husband, if he can get you to step out. Wife, if he can get you to step out and destroy your family, he'll use it. And if you're sitting there thinking of these things in your mind and, 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 and imagining, and, and of course the enemy will he'll, 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 he'll send stuff to your mind and, and you, all the stuff you've seen prior years start to come back and then all of a sudden you, you start doing things that, 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 are, that are risque and things that will that, ultimately destroy your relationship with your spouse. Okay? Now, if you've been hurt by this, let me tell you something. God can heal that. See, this, 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 this is a message of hope for anybody out there. I'm here to tell you now, if, you, if you've journeyed through uh, being hurt by that or being abused by that, whatever, whatever situation it was with your body, I'm here to tell you God can heal that. Do you hear me? God can heal that. He can restore you back or put you in a place that you maybe you've never been where you're free. You know who you are. You don't, you don't, you don't have to give yourself to prove yourself. Hello? And this goes both ways. I, I know brothers who, who've been trying to keep themselves in. That pastor, man, she's putting all kind of pressure on me. She want to know if I'm gay or not. Because he's seeking to be a man of honor and integrity. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now, if you committed adultery, are you going to hell? Not no. I mean, if you save, you're not. But don't wallow in that. Don't minimize it. I, see, it's quiet in here. And the reason why it's quiet, y'all listening, and some of y'all know the hurt and the pain that, that, that we're talking about when, 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 when Christians step out. Okay? What I'm here to tell you is, is that God will forgive you. Repent, though. Turn away from. Don't go back in. All right? Is that fair enough? I thank God we serve a God who forgives us of whatever it is. All right, finish up. To be sexually pure, you must know God 
and walk by the power of his indwelling spirit. Galatians 5 and 16, our last scripture, Galatians 5 and 16. Again, our bodies. Now, again, there's a whole lot of stuff you can do with your body besides sexual sin. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm focusing on that one because I know the climate that we're in and what the enemy is trying to do to us. He uses something that God created for pleasure, God created for procreation. Because again, if, 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 if we don't procreate and have babies, human beings will cease to exist. Y'all do know that, right? In other words, if, if we don't procreate, then we stop living after a certain period of time. All right, so God gave procreation for pleasure, right? Uh, so to enjoy. All right, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Put that in the KJV. I love the way it reads in the KJV. Galatians 5, verse number 16. Watch this, watch this. This I say then, what? Walk in the spirit and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, when I'm walking in, in line with God's Holy Spirit, when I'm yielding my life to his, and when I'm willing to put boundaries up in place, um, I, can do, I can do this thing. The Holy Spirit is gracious. He's a gracious, undeserved gift that God gave us. All right? Be filled with him, okay? Uh, the Holy Spirit helps us. You were not designed to fight sin alone. Aren't you glad about that? God gave you a helper that's, that's, that's there to, to, that's what Jesus told you. I'm going away, but I'm, I'm, I'm sending a, 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 a paraclete, a paraclete, P-A-R-A, Greek word K-L-E-T-E, I believe it's correct. And it's, it's one who's called alongside to help. The Holy Ghost. It's called alongside to help you live this Christian life. Get filled with him. Don't just possess him, but be, get filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, he helps to guide you and direct you and keep you from sin. Amen? So let's give our bodies to the Lord. Are y'all willing to say body? I'm submitting you totally unto the Lord. Body, we're going to do what God wants. And not what we want. Body, when you want to lay in the bed and not get up and pray, that ain't going to work no more. We're going to get up. Body, when you decide that we're going to be late for church, we're not going to do it anymore. We're going to be on time. Body, when you decide to cuss your fellow man out, we ain't going to talk like that no more. We're going to speak words of affirmation, words of exhortation, words of holiness. Say, body, when you decide to have sex with someone outside the marriage relationship, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to keep ourselves by the power are y'all talking? I need y'all to be confessing out there. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Say, body, you belong to God. Let's act like it. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Father, we thank you.